welcome to episode 370 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto team, welcome along to episode 370 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How are you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan, and you? Well, you know what I love, John? What do you love, Bevan? Well, I come to Auckland, and I love it when I come to Auckland, because when I come to Auckland, I get a week of sleeping in, and then yesterday morning, I was enjoying my little sleep in, and someone decided to send me a text at 6 in the morning, John. Who would that be? <laughs> well, you say you get up at 5.30 every morning. So yeah, but not, not when I'm away, John. Well... Tough, tough titties. Just saying, okay? So, it's 5.55. What time do you want to do the show tomorrow morning? I'm thinking, they could have waited. Just saying, okay? So, that's my little rant. That's Bevan's rant of the week. Uh, I've got to get my schedule organised. I've got to get my schedule organised, Bevan. I'm a busy man. Busy man. <laughs> Obviously. Anyway, I talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com Oh, I could do one of those right now. Athlinks.com Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme Endurance. Your Lactic Buffer. TrainingPeaks.com. TrainingPeaks is where you can put all your information about your training. And Endurance Junkie. Some cool Merino gear. Okay, guys, on this week's show, we've got some news. Actually, we've got lots of news this week, which is good. Uh, we've got a uh, website of the week. We've got Coach's Corner. And we've got an interview with Douglas Scott, who was an old Epic Camper. Tell us about it, John. He's an older, current Epic camper. I think he's coming on Canada next year. So obviously we gave you guys, scared the crap out of a lot of you guys <laughs> with uh, with Tams and Lewis saying we're all going to die of heart attacks. Um, but uh, she didn't really say that. But but I just wanted to get a, a second opinion sort of on, on what's out there. Douglas is a cardiologist. Um, so I thought I'd just get on, do an interview with him and you know, just reiterate maybe some of the things Tamsin went over and... Um, and I don't know, maybe put people's minds at ease a little bit because he's on the you know on the coal face in terms of seeing people with heart issues. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, guys. So first of all, news. And this week, uh, well, last week we kind of had already pre-recorded the show, so we didn't really mention the Frankfurt results. And uh, interesting race, really, wasn't it? It was. And Nico Lanos really is the form athlete of the year. You know, he won Melbourne in pretty convincing fashion, beating Crowe. Yep. Uh, and now he's come up against a really was a very stacked field and uh, they pretty much just crushed them across the board, you know. Really, he's, eight minutes. Yeah, against a high-quality field. And he certainly didn't have it all his own way. Uh, the results is one thing, but there was uh, plenty of other things going on in the race. But when push, come, push comes to shove, at the end of the race, he's eight minutes in front and with another sub-eight-hour performance of 7.59.58. So he swam 46 minutes, rode 4.25 and ran 2.44. And uh, assistant yeah. racer. Yeah. yeah. So th- there's more to it than that, though. I mean, um, we had Marino Van Holnacker, who really took a, you know, as per usual, took a flyer off the front and had a, 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 you know, a nice lead over those guys coming off the bike. He rode a 4:20 and swam the same guy, same time as those guys. So had about a, a five-minute buffer um, coming off the bike, which is, I guess, 
pretty similar to what happened in Melbourne. I can't remember how much of a lead he had there, but unlike Melbourne where he did hang on for a pretty good run, uh, he only managed it at 323 and he mm. dropped down to, to 19th place overall. And the other side of it as well was uh, Pete Jacobs was, was right in the mix uh, for, for quite some time. But he did almost did the, the the horrible feat of almost running as slow as he biked. So he obviously was right there after the swim, the 46-minute swim. Rode 4:25, so he was right there with with Rana and the other uh, with um, Lanos and the other guys coming off the bike. But then he ran a 4:17. Uh, so what happened? It, did he did he blow or did he? He, did, he blew, and I, I can't remember at what stage he blew. But he was right he was right in the mix because when I was looking at the live updates, he was there. Um, for quite some time, so he must have blown fairly spectacularly. And because uh, he's a great runner, isn't he? So you would have kind of at that stage, you would have kind of maybe put your money on him. Yeah, and uh, so it must have been a pretty big explosion. He really must have walked it into a, f- a four seventeen. Uh, it's interesting he finished. Well, the, yeah, uh, I, I did make sure I scrolled through the results to make sure he finished because remember he's now a past champion. So mm. all, he doesn't have to get points or anything like that. He just has to validate. So I'm sure that is the reason why he kept going. Otherwise, you know, chances are he probably would have pulled out. Now he's validated, job done. He can uh, just get ready for Kona. So, John, you know, we, we, we've been talking recently about the whole idea of if you go hard at this time of the year, it's pretty hard to go great in Kona. You know, we had two pretty wicked results, you know, Alanos the week before and, and wrote this weekend. Your thoughts on those guys doing well in, in Kona? Well, if, if we just base it off past history, then chances are they, they won't um, do well. I don't think anybody has ever done well at the mid-season races and then gone on to um, win Kona. So, as much, you know, Liko Alanos, it's, it's also going to be a very long season for him. You know, he, he's obviously in great form in March. He's in great form in July. Can he be in great form in October? I wouldn't be surprised if he has a really good race, but in terms of having that extra couple of percent to, to win Kona, I'd be surprised. But, um, yeah, I mean, still, he's winning races and probably making good money out of it, so good on him. Well, you'd have to say he's thing... form athlete of the year, wouldn't you? Like, he's won, yeah. he's won the, the two big races. So, you know, and on the on paper, he's the best athlete this year. He is. And, but apparently those guys were absolutely smoking it up on the run. Apparently Jan Raphael, who finished second, they, apparently they were just blitzing it and they were on target for like a, a 2.35 marathon <clears throat> after the first, first uh, lap or so. And they both must have faded quite a bit, but still. Uh, 8.759 is outstanding. Jan Raphael was second and 8.07 is quite a big uh, gap there. Bast Dieterin um, from from Netherlands was in, in third. And then I guess some of the other favourites that, that I was sort of discussing la- last time was uh, Michael Raylert was only seventh mm. in, in 8.16, still pretty sharp time. And then Sebastian Keenlay uh, was only ninth in 8.18. So and David Dallow in 10th. Yeah, so those guys are, are kind of performers and they're, they're right down in, in those lower sort of places. And then my, my bloody pick of Ivan Rana um, wasn't much better either in 20th place in 8.34. And Christian Kemp, who was uh, who, who I was picking as a bit of a dark horse as well, who won the Auckland 70.3, was only down in 22nd place in 8.35, uh, along with Fraser Cartmel. So, um, so lots so of big Rana, names Rana's there. bike was well behind. What, what happened there, do you know? Is, is he just not up to it? Oh yeah, he's certainly up for it. I just he must have just either had an off day or or uh, or. Welcome to our world, Runner. Welcome to our world. So some some really interesting results there um, on the guy side of things. Uh, as we discussed 
pre-race, the girls' race, um, we weren't predicting to be uh, quite as intense as the guys' race in terms of the depth of the field, but it was still a bloody good race. Um, you yeah, had, it was pretty close, wasn't it? It was. You, know, you had Jodie Swallow, who, who hasn't yet done, a, I guess, an amazing Ironman relative to what she's shown over 70.3, and Camilla Peterson having a really good ding-dong battle, and Jody Swallow, you know, had the race, um, you know, I guess, in the palm of her hands, but but let it slip with a 317 marathon, and Camilla Peterson came through with a 309 to take it in 856, with Jody in uh, 858 and Kirsten Moller in 901. So pretty close racing, you know, five minutes covering the the top three and two sub nine hour performances. So Kirsten know, Moller ran a 257. Nice. Well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so so good racing on the girls' side of things. Just, I guess the field was not as, uh, you know, certainly not as deep as the uh, as the guys' race. And as you said, um, we've got to give a bit of love to uh, to Ali Hollington. Uh, no. That no, was in right. That, so that's right, yep. That was in right. I was wondering We'll, we'll give her love later on in the show, John. Don't yeah. get too excited. So Camilla Peterson first, uh, she swam 48, rode 454, and ran 3.09 for an 8.56.01. Pretty solid. It's mm, pretty amazing. Scott Connolly sent her an email just saying, G'day, good John and Bev. Uh, just a quick note to inform you that 50 random age groupers were chosen on Friday before Ironman Frankfurt to be drug tested. Not sure if this has been done with an Ironman before, but thought it would be great given the European champs. So, now I was curious to see, was it just 50 random people or... I suppose it would have been if it was before, but I think that's kind of cool that they're doing it, but wouldn't you rather they spend that money on the winners of age group post-race? Well, I guess the thing with drug testing is you need the element of surprise, and if you're going random, then um, who knows who's going to get tested. So I I kind of prefer it that way, or it could be... um, But the problem with that is with age groupers, what, how many, 2,000 age groupers there? Mm. And the majority of age groupers, it's never going to be a concern for. The only people who are really looking to use drugs are people who want either the slots or want to win an age group you know it's, I, I don't I doubt that many age groupers are using drugs who aren't at the pointy end of the field so who knows Bevan who knows well, well there might, you know there might be but uh, I they, mean, they what, probably don't affect the race that much anyway so what's the point of putting the money into them yeah I mean what, what might be a good solution is uh, is to test um, X number of age group winners saying you're going to be randomly testing age group winners or age group podium places and then doing X number of random tests. So, for example, if they have going to do 50 tests, they might say, right, we're going to do 15 uh, randomly selected tests, and then the remaining 35 slots will be spread amongst uh, yeah. age group podium place getters, and that that would do enough to scare the scare people into hopefully, uh, you know, not taking drugs. But yeah, I, I think it's a great step, and and. Um, but, John, John, yeah. what's, what's happened with the uh, the sprinters over the last couple of days? Do you think we eventually just get to the point where we accept? Most athletes are doing drugs. No, you don't. No, well, I, I certainly don't want to, to go that path. I think we've got to keep fighting it and keep fighting it. And uh, no, not the, no, no, not saying that we want to accept it. That we we want a drug, you know. But the more the more further we move into time, the more we're, athletes are getting done for doing it. Is it you know? Is it more we just open our eyes to the fact that it's happening a lot more than we think? Well, I think if, if people don't think that it's happening a lot, they're probably pretty naive. I mean, we, we see enough of it going on. But no, I, I want to keep hanging on to the belief that... Uh, I believe of, I can fly. Yeah, you know. I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful that um, there's a lot 
more cleaner athletes in cycling than, than there has been in the past. And, um, and I believe there is. I don't know if that's being naive or not, but certainly think there's a lot of drug cheats still in cycling. Um, and, and a lot of them are doing very well at Tour de France. So, but, but I've got the belief that it's getting better. And I think, um, yeah, we're always going to have cheats in triathlon. I think there's probably a lot more people cheating than, than perhaps people realise. But uh, no, I think, I don't know. Hopefully, technology is going to hopefully allow us to stay on top of things a bit more. The biological passport, things like that. Hopefully, it will. Uh, it will, and, and hopefully they listen to my suggestions about getting getting all the bloody people behind the scenes, busting the people for drugs, but then getting all the suppliers in the supply chain, and that'll that'll sort out the world's problems. I'm sure they're yeah. listening to our show, John. Anyway, John, we had a challenge right happen last weekend in Dirk Bothell. Had a phenomenal performance, you know, like he did at what 7:52, but there was no competition, so he just smashed it, didn't he? He did very, very much like uh, Andreas Raylert did a few years ago. It was uh, it was a time trial off the front, and you know, just kept piling on the pressure, and you know, outstanding result. Maybe we'll have a look at where that where this sort of stands in terms of the top races overall of all time later on because that's been uh, updated by John Levison at try247.co.uk but yeah, 46 minute swim, 4.15 on the bike which is averaging about 42 kilometres an hour and then a 2.48 and I guess the difference between this and say Raylert's performance a few years ago it probably is that run where I think Raylert ran a, either a low 2.40 um, versus a 2.48 so still fantastic race, Dirk Bockel's shown he's a, he's a big time performer you know, he performs in Kona and he performs at the big races when he needs to and the fact that he was solo TTing off the front was uh, was pretty impressive and as you said there was there was nobody really else in the race. Constantine um, Bashaw did take a bit of a flyer off the front on the bike but you know he he, he still hung on for sixth place but really Dirk Bockel was um was, was the man of the moment so it's a pretty impressive James well, it, goes down, it goes down as the sixth fastest time of all time. Nice. Mm, so it's pretty impressive. James Kanana from Team TBB was second in 8.04, and Timo Brach, I think, came back from a puncture on the bike because he was right in the mix for a while, and then uh, I think he punched it and then, and then came back still for third place, so pretty solid in 8.08. And, yeah, I guess some of the results that, um, in terms from a Kiwi perspective, we know Dylan McNeese didn't manage to back up his third race in, in the year, um, only managed an eight, only an 8.36. But when we consider what he did earlier in the year, you know, like he, I think in, in Taiwan he went 8.15. Um, it was not probably the race that he was hoping for, but three Ironmans in six months might have been a bit much, and he, he sounded like he was just very flat. And when you consider, you know, Pete Vabrusik was there in, in ninth place in, in eight. 26 and Dylan beat him by I don't know 20 minutes or so in yeah. in, um, in Taiwan. You know if Dylan had had a, the same sort of race that he'd had there, then uh, chances are he probably would have been in the mix in, in the top sort of uh, top six or six or seven athletes. So a bit of a shame for him. And Cam Brown also had a um, I don't even know if he finished actually in the end, but he was right amongst it on the bike uh, and, and coming off the bike he was still in a position where had he run well he probably would have been um, on the podium or very close to it so a bit of a shame for him Stephen Bayliss was only down there in 22nd place so you've got to remember when you go to these races you're doing an 8.30 and you're outside the, or you're, you're, you're at 20th place it's um, not necessarily the big big names here but you've still got to be pretty bloody fast to do well at that race yeah it's a quick race isn't it yeah. and um, in the girls side I think Caroline Stephen well she she won quite, well not massively but you know oh. had a good one and Vion did pretty well 
<clears throat> it was a very interesting race. Now, I don't know if Yvonne's. Uh, I'm pretty sure Yvonne started the run in front of Caroline. She she biked like a like a bloody legend because Caroline Stefan had obviously had a lead on Yvonne Van Blurken, who's not the strongest swimmer in the in the world. But when I did check from time to time on the live tracking, Yvonne was making up time, and I'm pretty sure she caught her and may well have started the run either in front of her or very very close to her. And um, but Caroline Stefan actually put in a, in a better run. She ran a three oh. Three, I think it was, uh, and Yvonne Van Vlerken did not have the run that perhaps she was hoping for. So Yvonne Van Vlerken ran yeah three oh three. No, Caroline Stephen ran three oh three. Yvonne Van Vlerken only ran a three oh nine, and and I go back to the the year we did wrote that year. I think she ran a two. 56, so not her best run, and had she had her best run, then she she would have won the race, but still good racing by the girls. Caroline Stephen, 8.40, and Yvonne Van Vlerken is uh, 8.46, so both very, very impressive times. Mm, Who came in third? Um, Julia Geiger was third in 8.51, so three girls going sub nine, um, that's good quality racing. Joe Long, good old Joe Long from New Zealand, got managed to get the fifth, so pretty Uh, for Kiwi. And Ellie Hollingson in ninth place. Ninth place, Ellie, go you good thing. She goes to me, I'm not feeling that sharp for the race. She pulls off a ninth. Yeah, and Belinda Granger still chugging away there. She gets sixth. uh, Seventh place. Okay. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, so um, the, we also had the Outlaw Triathlon, which is one we get lots of feedback. Everyone seems to love the Outlaw race. And uh, who took that one out, Jombo? Eugene Grant took it out in 9.27, only... 14 seconds in front of Ben Weback and Daniel McParland was in third in 9.34. And on the girls' side, we had Victoria Gill in 9.50 and Catherine Benger in 10.08. Well, we, had a, we got an email through from Tim Hemming <laughs> saying the Iron Morph, a short, fat, and goes by the name of Sid Suwiski. Um, completed the outlaw try in a morph costume. Now, it's basically this kind of white one-piece with this funny kind of head thing happening. And uh, <laughs> some people get dressed up as some pretty outf- crazy outfits and he raised lots and lots of money for um, some organisations. I'm not sure. So uh, I'll put a photo of that on the website. It's a bit of a laugh. Nice. Uh, we also had Kelpman, which is another one of these sort of Norseman-type uh, extreme races, and Graham Stewart took that out. And apparently I had a guy that I coach who was marshalling on the course. Apparently it was horrific weather conditions. He said oh, really? he froze his gonads off and uh, it took him about two days to actually start to warm up again. So Graham Stewart took that out in... 12.16 so at that race the swim the swim is what it is you know he swam 52 the bike is 6.07 and his run was how do you figure out his run time mm. fast it took it took obviously took a long time to run because that's oh. uh, it's ballpark 7 hours so that must have mean the run was about 5 hours long it looks from the website that only uh, 11 people actually or 10 people actually 10 or 11 people completed the the high course, so I'm wondering whether or not they sort of closed it off or people didn't meet the cutoff time. Um, but Graham Stewart took it out from John Hasselmark um, by about seven minutes and Stuart McLeod in third place. And it looks to me like the only female that completed the high course was uh, Catherine Mueller in 13.05. So... Um, Sounds like a pretty epic adventure, and also sounds like they had a wonderful day on the weather front. 
Okay, good times. Um, one thing, Jonbo, is Chrissy Wellington's trying to campaign for the tour, Women's Tour de France. Your thoughts on that? What's happening in the Tour Festival? Because I don't really keep up to date with that. Is, is it exciting? Uh, it's certainly got some exciting stages. I mean, it's pretty predictable on who's winning and in terms of Chris Froome, and, but, but certainly people are throwing all sorts of things at him and, and certainly challenging him, and uh, it's been interesting. And there is a woman, well, I don't know if it still exists, but there certainly used to be a women's Tour de France. It's not as long as the guys, um, but we've had Kiwis like Rebecca Bailey used to do that. From memory, uh, it's, a, it's around about 10 days long, maybe 12. Um, that's just working off my memory. So it does exist. Um, so I don't know what she's really campaigning about, but you can maybe fill us in. Well, Chrissy, she's got a, she's did a post saying that she, the, the pinnacle, John, it's the pinnacle of sport, and she's oh, she's basically saying why isn't there a feminine one? But well, maybe she should do. It. There certainly used to be. Maybe there isn't any more, but there certainly used to be. Okay, so maybe, so maybe she should do, she should do her peas a bit more. Maybe she should, Jumbo. Maybe she should. Um, what is up next here? John's ITU update. Oh, Bevan, now, did you see the Kitspiel race? John, you know what I did, and I have to say, triathlon's in trouble. Right, <laughs> because it was bloody boring. I, I, I was I was fortunate because I well now I didn't what see it live. What are you on? I didn't see it live. I saw the package, right? And the package because I, I, it was really funny. I, I arrived in my hotel room and literally ten minutes. I arrived and I turned on TV and uh, it started literally as soon as I arrived in my hotel room. And I thought, wow, I'm really looking forward to this. I didn't even know I was going to be able to see it. And I thought I'll sit down and I'll watch this for an hour. And you know, this race is meant to be really exciting and all the rest of it. And I thought, wow, this is pretty boring. As a TV package. Okay. I don't know what your expectations were, but I thought it was bloody awesome. Oh, see, it was it was boring. The race, the, there was no dynamics in the race. Like there was a, a, a like, I got the course. I could understand why it would be tough, but it was so split up that, and the Brownleys just killed it. And the girls' race it was a pretty similar thing happened, and there was there was no kind of, wasn't that close? They had this bit about soccer kicking the ball that was a bit kind of blah, and you know, like it was just like, if I was someone who didn't watch triathlon. I don't think it sold the sport at all in a good way. Okay, fair enough. You're entitled, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I thought in terms of uh, comparing it to other races around, it was um, it was brilliant. It was, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's bloody hard when you've got somebody as dominant as Brownlee to actually make it exciting. I, I agree that as a TV package, um, triathlon in general could be doing a lot better things in terms of you know inserting interesting parts during the ride you know like when when brownie's crushing everybody on the bike i agree that's not that interesting but you know why couldn't they put some interviews in or or get some tour de france person in there saying you know talking about the bike course and the gradient and things like that i certainly think in terms of a production um they could be could be lifting their job, and I agree with you on that. But in terms of the racing, it was, um, it was, I thought it was pretty spectacular. Uh, on the guys' side of things, just watching Brownlee absolutely crush everybody, um, I thought was was pretty I impressive. I think that's the problem with the TV package because you kind of go, okay, so what are they competing with? Or they're competing with other sports if, in a TV package, and and what do other sports offer? And, and I know all sports have their, their days. Like if you watch a game of rugby league, that sometimes you get that boring game of rugby league. But they offer a lot of excitement. And, and with this package, I just there was no sense of excitement in the race. And you know, you think with that race, I thought it would be really exciting to watch because you know the course is kind of crazy and all the rest of it. And and it just seemed to lack that aspect of it, you know. And also. It made the sport look really small because as much as it was a really great race, there was hardly any spectators there. So it made triathlon look like a bit of a kind of a weekend sport. Like yeah, it was just it was just interesting. I I don't, I don't watch a lot of it, and I kind of thought, oh, 
they haven't quite got it right yet. Uh, yeah, well, in terms of the guys' race, um, if you didn't see the results, Alistair Brownlee absolutely crushed them on the bike, and the way he rode up that hill or, or that mountain was was pretty impressive. You know, you just looked at his cadence, uh, and and he was an impressive rider. And I think that's what, what often we look at Brownlee and we see him absolutely crushing people on the run in, in any sort of triathlon. But part of that um, surely must be because now we actually see he's so much better than everybody also on the bike that when he hits the run, he's so much fresher than everybody else so that was pretty impressive um i yeah the result was was a, a foregone conclusion pretty early for, for the guys um for the girls so i thought it was it was it was quite an interesting race and, and that's where the, the the element of you didn't know what was going to happen next came in for me um like when you're watching the tour de france you don't know what's going to be happening next uh when, when they're going up a mountain and the girls side of things you're just you know you're just sitting there waiting for something to happen and uh it was it was interesting and some in some ways a little disappointing that some of the girls didn't really take the bull by the horns um, and and go for it on the bike a bit more than what they did, but um, no I thought it was I thought it was fantastic and I thought it was a, a step in the right direction. Agree with you, Bevan, that um, in terms of actually having it as a, a production and a product to really sell to maybe non-triathlon people, the certain a lot of work that can be done with with that but um yeah i thought it was a spectacular event i think the thing is that they probably need to work on is better commentators because i think the thing about the commentators is they're more just doing a kind of a, a, a dull overview of what's happening in the race so the commentators mm. don't really create any hype around the race and you know I, I don't really watch the tour de france but whenever you see the clips it, it seems like it's a really exciting thing to watch and mm. um and you know, I'm sure they do have the dull moments, but they, the commentators, it seems from the little bit I've seen of the Tour de France, add the aspect of excitement to it. And with this one, it was more like a couple of guys just, oh, and here's Alistair Brownlee riding up the hill. Well, you know, you could say, oh, Alistair Brownlee's flying up the hill right now. Look at his pace. And, you know, maybe that's the aspect. You know, it's just those little things that seem they haven't quite got on the head. Like, and I'm not saying that the race wasn't cool. Like, it was a cool race, but I was just, as a spectator watching it, as the television package, I was like, oh don't think they've got it right so definitely some some things to work on Jumbo. okay well let's move on well no, just on that front um, Tim Hemi sent through and said he was just wondering what your thoughts were on the fact that Brownleys both the Brownleys have won two races this year but there's a chance that they probably won't do either Hamburg or Stockholm so they can't really be crowned the overall championship winner does that kind of make a mockery of the system well, it, it, it does, but you get that in, in most sports. If, you, if you're trying to set up a series champion, then it, it, it does. It's the same in every sport. I, I would like to have the system where, yeah, you've got a series champion, but you have a world championship each year. So the final race is the world championship. You win that, you're the world champion. Um, but if you win the series, then you're the series champion. I don't really see that. Be, you know, that's how it always used to be. Um, and and I, I very much like the, the idea of getting ready for one pinnacle race game on and that person who wins that race is the world champion rather than you know you can be the series champion by getting second at every race during the season then 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 you're the champion and you know say for example you know we don't pay any attention to who's really leading the the kpr rankings so i mean i suppose as you said Anika lanos would be the current form athlete and probably probably i'd imagine he's leading the kpr or, or probably pretty close to it but do we think he's uh, the number one athlete in the world probably not would probably say you know at the moment see 
the Pete Jacobs or um, um, you know, because he's the, he's the world champion. So I'd agree with Tim on well on that front. Is uh, I'd prefer to see a world championship each year, um, but also giving plenty of kudos to the people that do win the series and uh, and plenty of prize money for them as well because um, yeah, they're, they're getting out there and doing consistently. Do you yeah. know Do you know the motivation behind why the ITU did that? Uh, I think they just want people racing, uh, for, trying to, I guess, forcing athletes to do as much of the series as possible. So they very heavily weight being uh, ranked highly in the series to encourage people to do the entire series. Yep. And I think that would be the main um, reason for it because otherwise people can go off and do other races all over the place and then you're not getting stacked fields all over the show. So I'd imagine that's the reason why. But you've got to take your hat off to ITU. They're constantly trying to, uh, to improve mm. conditions for athletes in terms of prize money. And, and it seems year on year their prize money is going up and up. And those guys do make pretty reasonable money if, you do, if you're doing well relative to Ironman where it seems to be fairly fairly stagnant yeah 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 yeah. interesting the other thing that comes to my mind about it is that if you're not having that one race a year which is you know i know they have the double points at the end of the year but it's Mm. not you know athletes now the olympic race is you know the key race that the athletes for their own preparation it'd be good to have that key race once a year like the olympic race where you know you have to be your a game yep you know so it's better preparation for them as athletes as well Mm. we haven't got much coming up no, there's only uh, one iron distance race coming up this weekend. Uh, we have the double steel man in the UK, and that's pretty much it. Um, Andy Diplodocus Kerr also sent through a note saying, uh, Richie Nichols, who we talked about a few weeks ago, who won the 70.3 and ran a, a, some amazing run split there and, and just absolutely decimated everybody. Uh, and then he, then he ran a 108 in Norway, 70.3. Wow. And Carterfelt only ran a 111. And Carterfelt is... He's a business, you know. He's yeah. done some really good seventy. Well, one eleven is a business, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, interesting uh, to see how this fella comes on, Richie Nichols. Keep an eye on him. One eight. Wow. Okay, John Sponsor. Oh, hold on. There was one other piece of oh. news we missed out. You skipped it. Skipped over. They're changing some of the um, the way that the KPRs working oh, in true, terms yeah. of. Uh, Kona Pro qualifying and, and I think this is a really good and interesting move that WTC are making so what essentially is happening is they're trying to stack the championship races more heavily uh, so if you do well in Kona or if you do well at a championship race uh, then you're going to get rewarded with more points and they're also removing the lower level points races so the guts of it is that if you do well in Kona if you do well at one of the regional championships um, you're going to get rewarded better. And also the, the grading of the points means that, say, for example, you win a, a, what's considered a lower-tier race, then it's, you're going to get more points for, for being in the top three, and then the points are going to drop off a lot quicker. So they want, they want the best of the best in Kona, and they want the guys that are essentially uh, you know, those second- and third-tier races, if you're winning them, then you're going to get a lot more points. But if you're just in the you know, fifth or so, then you're going to get bugger all. So I like the look of this. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying to encourage athletes to do the championship races, which which is what the triathlon public, I think, wants because then we yeah. see more head-to-head action. So yeah, look, all look, in all, how we were talking about Germany. Yeah. yeah, it's great. I can't really see any downsides to this. Mm. No, it's good, and it's good, you know, because uh, you know they're, they're willing to evolve it into a better system. That you know, from the start we said, you know, they probably won't get it right straight away, but they've got to kind of work at it, and you know, they're doing that. So, well done, WTC. Mm. 
Okay, John, sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Tell me Extreme about it. Extreme Endurance. Now, obviously, uh, at the moment, there's a lot of drug talk out there with uh, the Tour de France going on, as usual, and also all the sprinters getting busted. And if you're going to be getting age group tested uh, as well, if you're going to get do a race like Germany, um, you want to know what you're taking in. And one of the key things about Extreme Endurance is it's got the Informed Choice tick from Informed choice.org and what that basically means is the product is tested and certified as not having any banned substances in it so you can take it with confidence you know you're not doing anything naughty um, I was talking to an athlete I coached yesterday and she's got a couple of races coming up before her main race and, and like me she suffers with uh, with you know quite a bit of doms going on after after races and, and so I basically encourage her you know just to, to get on it for a couple of weeks before the race um, and and whatever it does in terms of performance wise I'm convinced that after her first race she'll be able to get back in training pretty quickly because she'll have a hell of a lot less doms going on um, so if, if any of you guys have got races where you're backing up you know say within a couple of weeks time you do need to get uh, some good training in between events if you've got the, 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 the full on doms going on you know that can wipe you out for just about a week so uh, if you try a bit of extreme endurance um, chances are you should have significantly less muscle soreness after the race and it will also help you perform better in the race. Use the code IAMTALK5 um, and you get 5 bucks off to get one container which will last you a month is 44 bucks 95 so a pretty cheap way to help your body feel better. Yeah, really, really, really good stuff. Yvonne Van Vlerken's on it, isn't it? She and she, she had a great race. And she's the great thing about Yvonne. I don't know how old she is, but she's been around forever, hasn't she? She just keeps on trucking, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean, she had a bit of a, a, a lull there for for a little while, but that performance at the weekend and a couple of other performances we've seen of her late really shows that she's uh, she's getting back to her best. So good to see. Yeah, it really is. Okay, guys, so extreme endurance discussion of the week, Jombo. So we've got an email through from Kurt Taylor, and he's saying he loves the show, which is great. He says, I'm feeling new to triathlon, and like most have become quickly obsessed. The thing is that it's frustrating is the lack of coverage here, and I think he's in the States, uh, in the States, and I was wondering if you think this is a viable idea yeah. It seems that more and more the uh, the focus is on getting to Kona in the quickest way possible, and because of that, we don't see full fields of pros each race until Kona. You're never going to get any mainstream interest if the bigger names aren't racing each other only once a year. Uh, what do you think of the possibility of Ironman creating a series of multiple modified distance races between 51.50s and 70.3s that would get the pros racing each other multiple times a year on courses around the world? As of now, you only see Crowey, the Ray Lutz, Mecca, Jacobs, etc. going head-to-head at Kona. The same thing happens with the girls. If the top 10 boys and girls race each other 6 to 7 times a year leading up to Kona, you could sell a TV package since the races are going uh, will only be a couple of hours. You could have the point system, an overall championship race, or even make it a full series of different distances including the regional championship as a part of the series. So basically the question is, what do you guys think about that concept, the idea of that WTC would have their own series that would be different distances that would maybe lead up to Kona and, you know, kind of similar to what ITU is doing, but in, you know, different races in different ways. Yeah, I think it would be 
yeah, I may, I'll give our opinions on it next week. But um, yeah, as Bevan said, basically trying to get the athletes going head to head over different distances, um, so obviously slightly different formats, and um, whether that would be of appeal or, or basically just express your opinions on how you think it could be done to make it work. Obviously, money makes the, the sport go round, and I'm sure if you said to each athlete, right, we'll give you a hundred grand each, and uh, you've got to do these. Four, four races, then I'm sure that they'd go for it. But maybe think about, you know, how how you would structure it if you were you were in charge, trying to come up with a, a multi-disciplined um, sort of series. And uh, I think, yeah, I think it'd be fantastic. And, and I think the athletes would actually really look forward to it. Guys like Crowe, you know, he enjoys racing different distances. But um, maybe we should save my opinions for, for next. I know because I want to talk as well now, but I feel I can't because I've got to wait till next week. And you've opened the door a little bit. Oh wow! Slammed it shut. With the love. Okay, guys. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. Here's the intro. Ready? Three, two, one. Website of the week. Okay, Jonbo. So we've got an email through. I don't know who's sent this one through actually, but Ian the Saviour Tanner. The Saviour. That's a good name, and it's a pretty cool one actually. It's called ValoLink, and what they do, and I'm sure it's advertised quite a bit on the internet right now. So I'm sure quite a few of you guys have seen this. But basically, what they do is they help you do personalised stickers that you can either put on your on your bike frame or on your wheels, and uh, they're pretty cool, aren't they, John? Yeah, cool. So you see a lot of this in, in the Tour de France and you, you, know, you see guys with their own name written on their bike and, and I think it's um, it's really cool. So you can get your, your little country flag put on there and then your name, slap it on your top tube or on your wheels and um, I don't actually know what it costs but I'm sure it's pretty... 20 bucks, I think. 20 bucks. Kind of cool to have your name on your bike. Yeah, well, and they also have if you customise ones, so you maybe you have to get your tri club ones done or stuff like that. So you can actually kind of go in with your own logos and stuff. And uh, so let's say you got your, you're on your bike club and get you know your, your bike club logo on there and then your name on there as well. So it's kind of cool. No, oh, we should come up with an I am talk one, Bevan. We should, we should, maybe yeah, we should. We'll talk to them about it. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. You Valo- putting your hand up to get this done? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Among the yeah. other things I've got to get done today. Yeah. <laughs> Fellowlink.com, guys. Check it out. You can get your own sticker. And they do custom wheel ones as well. So if you've got those kind of thick kind of um, carbon wheels, you can kind of go get those done as well. So check, check, check it out. Jombo, right. sponsor. Straight back into the next sponsor, uh, Endurance Junkie, guys. We had them uh, on the show quite some time ago, um, but they are back. And one, one thing we've, we've been going on about in the show fairly recently when we've had Paul Larson and, and the like on here is really talking about um, when you're in those hot hot races, you know, about keeping your, your core temperature down, you know, by taking slushies, using arm chillers, putting um, ice in your cap, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the, the, the things you can get it from the endurance junkie gear is they're using sport wool um, which is a merino wool and that has got a, a really nice sort of cooling effect to it and um, we might put it I'll put it, probably put a link up on our Facebook page but it basically helps to keep your core body temperature and um, moisture control down lowering your core body temperature it's obviously you'll keep cooler um, compared to a lycra and also move sweat away faster than a lycra top uh, and maximum wear comfort which is important when you're spending eight hours plus out on the bike course mm. so um and the other thing that uh, not just um endurance junkie but a lot of the uh, clothing companies out there you know we've got in our minds that if you wear black you're going to be uh really overheating but the, the way that they use um the products it doesn't actually work that way um you see the guys from endurance junkies say the all 
white back of the suit. Don't worry, it will not go see-through in places where you don't want it. It will deflect sunlight and also help keeping you cool. So that's what the way their, their, their suit is designed. It's got a white backing, but not see-through. Nothing nothing worse than a see-through, a see-through suit. It'll butt crack in front of you when you're riding behind it. <laughs> And one other thing that we sort of we were just talking about in the website of the week, if you want to get your own personal sponsors or logos put on an endurance junkie tri suit, um, they can do that for you. Um, just so there's a bit of an extra fee, you know, ten euros or uh, for the first logo, and then five but five euros for every additional one. Uh, you can just contact them through the website, and they can sort you out. Cool news is, you use the code, the promo code I am talk, and that gives you ten percent off and free worldwide shipping. That's a bit of a clincher, getting free worldwide shipping. Wow, that's so, really thin. Yeah, so get, so check it out, um, endurance-junkie.com. It's beautiful um, can, gear, guys. It really is. Like if you know, like it's 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 functional, which is great. But if you like, if you like looking a little bit classy, this stuff is really really nice gear. Like the tri suits are just really well designed and look really. You know, the good thing about being a you know endurance sport athlete is that you you look fit. And so you know, it's kind of nice to show that off sometimes. So if you want to look really cool in some cool gear, make sure you check it out. Yep, and as well as tri suits, I've got uh, some t shirts, hoodies, etc. as well. So check it out endurance-junkie.com, and we have all the links and stuff up on imtalk.me, and promo code is imtalk. Okay, good times. Okay, next up we have an interview, John. So tell us about the interview. So Douglas Scott is on today, and he is an epic camper extraordinaire. He has been on a number of camps. He's come over to, I think he came, yeah, he came to France with us last time. I'm pretty sure he came to Italy, did length of New Zealand. Uh, good athlete, Kona qualifying standard and consistently and is you know, obviously in the top few at Ironman New Zealand and other races that he does. And also a cardiologist. And so I really want to get him on just to go over again some of those um, heart issue questions we may have had. I put a post on Facebook and, and tried to address a few of those. So really just wanted to put um, people's minds at ease and also um, really just go over the risk factors that, that are out there because it is a, it is an issue that, that is coming up in terms of heart and what have you. So... Yeah. John, I'm amazed you just I'm, listen up and hear what Douglas has to say. I'm amazed you got him on because when he was on Epic Camp, you know, when I was doing Epic Camp <laughs> and I'd, I'd interview everyone, he was the hardest person to interview because he was like, oh, no one wants to listen to me. And he'd, he'd whinge and I'd basically have to get buggered him every day to get him on the show. And eventually you'd do it, but it was seriously, I probably put in 20 hours effort to get like 30 minutes out of him. So I'm amazed 20. you got him on. You did well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, impressive. Yeah. I, okay, said he couldn't come, I said he couldn't come to Canada if he didn't come on. Oh, okay. Probably didn't. That's the way to do it. Okay, well, here's Douglas right now. Right. A few weeks ago, we had uh, Tamsin Lewis on the show, and uh, I think she scared the bejesus out of a lot of people out there, um, just you know, outlining that uh, there may be a strong correlation between uh, incidents of heart attacks and what have you, then, uh, and, and we may be more at risk than, than what we might think, given, even though we do a lot of exercise. So I thought it'd be good to get another perspective on it. So I've got uh, an epic camp extraordinaire and uh, cardiologist himself, Dr. Douglas Scott, on the show. So welcome onto the show, Douglas. Thank you. Um, I, I, I presumably you've seen a lot of the, 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 the press out there at the moment and, and a few guys sort of getting on their bandwagon about, um, about this sort of issue and, and that 
you know, maybe us extreme endurance athletes are actually doing um, doing a bit of damage to ourselves, and and maybe we should, uh, you know, scale things back a bit. I mean, what's your sort of take on it, and, and what have you read sort of within the the profession, or is this scaremongering? Well, I think there certainly have been a lot of uh, news uh, articles and comments uh, suggesting that uh, long distance races. Uh, particularly, well, marathon racing, but more in the triathlon field, Ironman racing uh, can be detrimental to your heart. And um, I can quote from Washington Post from last week, deaths at long-distance races hint at particular risk to mammals. And, of course, I didn't know what a mammal is, but apparently it's a middle-aged man in Lycra, which is 40 to 60 years. So I'm still middle-aged, so that's pretty good. Um, but, I mean, you know, that... Uh, Basically, in this article, it says, for example, um, David Pryor, a cardiologist and professor of medicine at Australian University of Melbourne, um, the attributes to push through the barriers and push through the pain are common in competitive sport, but that's also dangerous when it comes to in, in, uh, ignoring signs. Uh, people need to understand that they're not necessarily gaining more health by doing more exercise. So this is a, a fairly common theme. And... Um, I think that perhaps sometimes the comments lack understanding. People have to realise, well, what motivates people to do Ironman? It's not really... I don't think anybody does it purely as a way of, of maintaining fitness. Uh, people do it for different reasons. Some people do it for a challenge. Um, some people do it to compete um, against their friends or um, other athletes uh, in the age group at a high performing at a high level. And of course, for professionals, they do it as a way of uh, earning a living and as a career. Um, so it's not really a fitness thing, I don't think, to push through those extra uh, long periods. Here, for example, it says intense exercise for long periods, more than one to two hours can cause overstretching and tiny tears of heart tissue, says James O'Keefe, sports cardiologist and head of preventative cardiology at the Mid-America Heart Institute in Kansas City. Well, you know, that's all very well, but a lot of these comments aren't based on a lot of uh, good data. Right. So, I mean, yeah, how, can, how concerned should we? You know, most of the people listening to the show are going to be um, you know, age group athletes. Let's, let's just say for argument's sake they're training for, you know, between 10 and 15 hours a week and they're doing an Ironman and a bunch of other races each year. I mean, should people be concerned um, or is it a case of, you know, people have got a predisposition position to, to, you know, these, these issues? I mean, how, how concerned should people be? Well, I think that anybody starting out uh, in their first Ironman event, or, or half Ironman for that matter, and probably even for a marathon, um, should really consult their primary health care provider, their, their family practitioner first, and have some basic um, uh, investigations such as um, you know, their blood pressure measured, uh, listening to the heart for any um, uh, unheard of, previously undiagnosed valve disease, um, and possibly, depending on age, if they're 40 years or older, they could have an, an electrocardiograph or uh, EKG, ECG, um, to look for some uh, signs of uh, rare heart conditions. Um, they uh, also should have some basic blood work done, looking for uh, evidence of early onset of diabetes, look at their cholesterol and measure their haemoglobin, kidney function and, and that sort of basic um, chemistry. 
And I think that would be advisable. And I think as one gets older, certainly as you uh, uh, become more than 40 and certainly in your 50s and above, uh, that could be done more frequently, say, as an annual checkup. Mm. Um, there's a lot of debate as for competitive athletes, what would be an advisable screening test? And um, there's little consensus around the world about what, how far one should go. And I think uh, most people say for a competitive athlete, they should have a clinical examination, an ECG. Um, there are further examinations such as an echocardiograph looking for uh, conditions of extra muscle thickening or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And certainly when FIFA uh, was involved with the World Cup, all their um, uh, competitors had to have a, an echo. But I think there's limited consensus whether that is a good screening tool. So unless somebody had some other abnormal findings, wouldn't recommend any other tests or investigations. And then I think the family history is particularly important as well. Um, for any athlete, if there's a, a close family history of any sudden or unexplained deaths or drownings, uh, that could be a marker of a rare um, electrical instability. Um, also, um, if there's any family history of premature coronary artery disease, such as heart attacks, uh, strokes, or cardiac procedures such as stenting or um, bypass surgery, particularly in uh, first-degree relatives under the age of 50, um, and uh, also um, any family history of hypertension or diabetes, so um, or dyslipidemia, so abnormal cholesterol. So these are important sort of basic um, sort of history taking that, that a family practitioner would do to try and give you some idea of what your uh, risk of cardiovascular events is. But in actual fact, um, death during, um, uh, during uh, high performance or long distance racing is, is quite uncommon um, and, and is, is pretty rare. And sudden cardiac death while training in, in young athletes, again, is an extremely rare but devastating event. And again, it's quite hard to be able to um, screen those patients out. And sometimes uh, patients that have unexpected or sudden cardiac death um, have had very limited warning signs and, um, and have, um, have not, may not necessarily have been able to be picked up uh, prior to that, even with quite thorough investigation. So um, these are just one-off events, but it's very difficult to screen them out. And then the other thing I think is it's really important that if anybody gets any new onset of symptoms that are unexplained, such as um, sudden dizzy turns or lightheadedness, blackouts, um, any uh, chest discomfort, particularly with exercise, and any sudden deterioration with uh, shortness of breath. So those are, or maybe some palpitations uh, as well, some racing, abnormal racing of the heart. So those are the sort of symptoms that might um, trigger one going to seek further investigation and, and maybe even uh, see a cardiologist. But I don't think that um, anybody just doing age group racing needs to be seen by a cardiologist. Those risk assessments can be done by the family practitioner. Because it's it's obviously a really tricky one. If you're in, if you're two thirds of the way into an Ironman race and you're uh, absolutely screwed, and then you start questioning yourself whether you're getting heart palpitations or you're just going through a really difficult part of the race. So I guess are people just looking for for it not if if they're getting a number of symptoms over a period of time, that's when they should be slightly more concerned. 
Yeah, or one-off symptoms that are unexplained. Um, obviously, people are going to get, you know, sometimes have bad days and bad races, um, but they shouldn't be getting dizzy or feeling like they're going to black out. I mean, that would be an unusual symptom. Mm. Um, have, you, have you seen anything written? We had a question in, um, from a girl called Lucy Francis saying, is there any relationship between sort of diet and, you know, really high-carbohydrate diet and incidence of heart disease and, and issues in endurance athletes that you're aware of? I don't think so. Um, there's no evidence to suggest the diet really has a lot to play in terms of um, risk of, of coronary disease in, patient, in people that are actively training. I think you just have to eat what, what best suits you to be able to perform. Um, I think long-term, high cholesterol diets or um, may have a detrimental effect, particularly if you have a genetic tendency towards coronary artery disease. Um, so um, I don't think that um, don't, I think that just a sensible diet that's high in in um, in, in, uh, in vegetables and um, and not a lot of um, junk type food or highly processed food, not excessive amounts of saturated fats. I think those uh, are good diets uh, for athletes, and um, and I think that most athletes have reasonably good diets. Hmm. In terms of um, any preventative measures, I mean, obviously, you know, all over the world, people are getting prescribed about a gazillion drugs to to try to reduce their risks. But is there any any? Um, I, I guess if people are at risk, then they should be seeing a, a a medical professional to get prescribed something. But a lot of people just take things willy nilly. Is there any any things that maybe the middle aged athlete should consider taking across the board um, just to mitigate any possible risks there might be? Well, I think that we need to look at the evidence and um, there are a lot of um, uh, health supplements available, um, coenzyme Q10, uh, vitamin supplements, but none of those have ever been proven in a clinical uh, trial to reduce your incidence of cardiovascular disease. And the only um, drug that has been, or two drugs perhaps, that have been shown to reduce the incidence of cardiovascular disease in a significant way are aspirin, um, and we wouldn't, and, and we wouldn't uh, prescribe aspirin in somebody for primary prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing would be a cholesterol-lowering drugs or statins, and that would only be done uh, on the advice of, of a um, general practitioner or health provider. Um, so... Although it's novel to think of antioxidants as having a role to play in reducing the sort of oxidative stress the, 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 um, that, that we get as we get older or with physical activity, there's no evidence to show that those uh, reduce um, risk of heart attacks or uh, sudden cardiac death. Mm. So I guess you're not you're you're signed up for Ironman uh, Hawaii this year. I guess this is not uh, causing you too many sleepless nights in terms of you, your risk of having a heart attack. No, I don't because I have no family history and I've got uh, low blood pressure and I've got excellent lipids um, and you know and I follow a good diet. So I'm not concerned. Um, but you know people need to realise that you could be super fit and be in excellent physical condition, but if you have a genetic tendency towards cardiovascular disease that can occur in spite of good levels of fitness. So you can still have a heart attack um, if you have that genetic predisposition. Um, unfortunately, these genes are on many multi-gen, uh, many different sites, so there's not like a genetic test that one can do. So you have to risk profile people. 
The other thing that people can have is a, a CT coronary score looking at levels of calcium in the coronary artery. So if you develop plaque, you get little micro deposits of uh, calcium. So if your calcium score is high, that uh, implies that you may already have some plaque, therefore your risk um, uh, may be higher, independent to any other sort of risk factors that you may or may not have. But I don't think that one would necessarily do that as a screening tool, but it might be useful for an older athlete um, who, um, say, does have some risk factors, a little bit of a family history. But then the question is, what are you going to do about it if you have a high calcium score? Um, are you going to not exercise or are you not going to do an, your Ironman event? Are you going to take cholesterol uh, tablets? So sometimes it's hard to know what to do with the answers that you might find to these extra investigations. So it's not straightforward. I noticed on listening to um, Tams and Lewis, she had some suggestions that perhaps people could have an MRI or do a Holter monitor which measures um, your heart rhythm over 24 hours. But there's no real evidence to suggest that that would be of any use. Um, doing a Holter monitor just as a one-off event, I think, is, is, is completely unhelpful. A lot of people have few extra beats, and I think that one can simply measure your heart rate in the first thing in the morning to see whether or not you've adequately recovered. And you don't need to have a Holter monitor to do that. Mm. And, and secondary, with MRI. I mean, an MRI, cardiac MRI, um, can look very... Um, it can look at um, many structures of the heart for any signs of early scarring. Uh, but there's a lot of false positives with that. And I think um, as a screening tool, um, that would be unhelpful. I think mm. that sometimes you might find you might get an abnormal result that's of no significance. Um, I don't really think that has any role as a one-off. Well, one thing Tamsin did say was um, you know, really looking after yourself in terms of recovery. So, I mean, when we go and do an Ironman race or something very extreme, are we actually doing a fair amount of damage to our heart that actually needs a little bit of time to repair from? Well, I think that's a good point because I, I don't think that it's very good to see athletes that are doing an Ironman that are... Um, you know, that are collapsing and crawling across the finish line or, you know, losing control of their bowels or delirious. I think that's a really bad thing and those people should be swept up off the race immediately and taken um, to the medical tent. And I think that those patients might be putting themselves at cardiovascular risk. They may be developing abnormal electrolytes um, like high levels of potassium and um, their heart will be stressed, and it's quite possible that they may release some markers, which we call troponins, um, from some small amounts of cell death. So I think that would be um, is, is, is putting people at risk. I've never, ever experienced anything close to that myself. My legs usually give out before I collapse. You're not going uh, hard enough, Douglas. I'm not going hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that that you know I think that the key is that one should be trained so that you can race within your ability and not be dragged across the finish line. And um, and I think that's uh, what you see. And people that do uh, very well in races tend to recover very quickly because they're adequately trained. So I think that um, I think the importance is being adequately preconditioned. But there are. There was, I remember, many years ago in Taupo, Ironman, um, they were taking some blood tests and measuring four levels of troponin. And there were, I think, of memory, about 10% of the sample they took did have small levels of increased troponin. So the heart clearly is stressed for mm -hmm. some people. 
Um, but that, that doesn't necessarily result in scarring of the heart or, or long-term damage. Mm. So um, I don't really think there's any evidence that um, over-exercise can cause tiny amounts of damage that can have a cumulative effect. I think there are some people that with a lot of long-distance training can develop abnormal thickening of their heart muscle, and it's difficult to be that so-called athletic heart. It's difficult to be certain whether that's due to the training or whether they may have a more significant life-threatening condition called a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So um, that's a genetic condition, and I think that... Um, that um, there are some people that can get abnormal amounts of heart muscle thickening, but by and large, that doesn't occur. So I don't, I personally don't think that uh, lots of exercise causes any long-term damage to the heart in most people. Mm. So um, I guess my final question is, is people who are recovering from heart issues, and I've got a couple here, and I know that you'd need to know <clears throat> the ins and outs of their particular cases, but one example I've got is, um, is a guy that I coached for quite a number of years, and he dropped with a, with a pretty uh, serious heart attack last Christmas, and he, and he went for his six-month six checkup recently with his uh, GP, and his GP said, look, if I hadn't known you'd had a heart attack six months ago, I would say there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. So for people that have had issues, um, you know, uh, is, is that life as, you know, the end of life as they know it, or, or is there often um, reasonable recourse for, for some sort of comeback? And another example is my friend James Beach, who I think you may have talked to once or twice, who had a pretty major operation, and he's back running half marathons and what have you. So what's the, you know, the, the comeback like? Well, I think that um, somebody that has had a heart attack obviously has, no matter what treatment you do, cholesterol-lowering, aspirin, they're going to be at increased risk of further events um, in spite of the best possible treatment. So one would have concern regarding them doing, like, Ironman events, and I certainly would um, advise against that, but then people can make their own personal judgment on, on that. Um, there's no question that they would be at, more at risk of having a heart attack during the race than at rest. Um, and that's because you can get tears of the plaque build up and that can cause myocardial infarction and, and arrhythmias. And so, uh, and of course, the swim part of the event, of course, is a bit of an unknown too. If you collapse um, when you're swimming and you do have a lot of abnormal um, parasympathetic activity during swimming um, and that can predispose you to arrhythmias. And, oh, and then, of course, if you have an arrhythmia, you just sort of float to the bottom and, and, and people think you've drowned and it's... You know, not ideal. So I think <laughs> not I, not ideal. No. I think that, and that's what it, what is occurring is that people are drowning or so-called drowning in these events, and uh, some of those may be arrhythmias. But coming back to somebody with a myocardial infarction, it's a heart attack. I I personally would um, encourage them to do um, less. Uh, endurance work and uh, there's no question that maintaining a good level of fitness doing standard course triathlons that sort of thing will have an, a, um, a good uh, long-term um, results in terms of reducing their overall cardiovascular risk but I don't think I'd be that supportive of doing Ironman type events. Mm. Um, there's also been somebody sent around a whole lot of articles about um, from Uppsala about this, um, these people doing um, cross-country skiing and showing that these, pay, these um, very, very fit Swedes were getting a higher incidence of arrhythmias. Um, 
But I did look through that article, and um, it seems that um, people that do a lot of high and perform at a very high level are slightly at risk of developing more atrial fibrillation or irregular heart rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, but there was no evidence. Um, the relative risk was only 1.3, so 30% higher risk. Um, but there was no um, evidence of a higher risk of malignant type arrhythmias, sudden or you know sudden death, or or nasty arrhythmias that can occur that can cause sudden death. So I think there's quite a lot of scaremongering around there, but I think if you tease all the information out and look for the hard facts, there's really not a lot of evidence. I think the key is, is that consult your family doctor, um, eat well, look after yourself, and make sure that you're adequately prepared uh, for your race and that you have a good recovery. Measure your heart rate in the morning. If your heart rate's elevated, it probably doesn't mean that your heart's stressed. It probably means that your body is stressed and that you've got higher circulating levels of adrenaline and you haven't adequately recovered. Mm. Oh, good. I think that puts a lot of people's minds at ease a little bit, I hope. Um, and I've got to give people a warning if you're out there in the, the you know the streets of Kona and you think you're you're in for a for a good day, just be careful of Douglas Scott coming up by stealth from behind you. He's a wily old veteran of uh, of coming from behind and taking people when they think they have the victory in their hands. So, Douglas, thank you very much okay. for your time. And uh, all the very best for, for Kona, and we might uh, get some more comments from Douglas during Epic Camp because he's uh, he's a nice regular athlete who is the king of sandbagging. So thanks for your time, Douglas. Okay. All right, thank you. Bye bye. All right, Jonbo. So uh, your thoughts? I think he just really reiterates some of the, the points that we went over with with Tamsin. As uh, I guess the bottom line is, if you've got a family history, then go get Be yourself careful. checked out and uh, and make sure you're okay. You haven't, then you're probably okay. Okay. That's sucky nice. if you've got a bad family history, eh? Sorry? Yes. And you know, yes, like, because yes. it's nothing to do with you. It's not your fault. Especially if you're a person who's an athlete, you know, and you've kind of done good behaviours. Mm. And then, you, you know, your family's got a bad history. <sighs> Poor thing. Anyway, uh, sponsor John, we're going to talk about Coffees of Hawaii. I've got some sample coffee packs up there. And oh. um, if you're not sure exactly what you want, want uh, out of your coffee experience, then this is the way to go. Uh, they've got a couple of uh, sample coffee packs. They've got a Molokai three-pack. It's just little two-ounce bags. And then you've got the Three Island three-pack, an affordable snapshot of our Three Island offering. It's offering 100% Nightingale. Coffee, 100% Maui and 100% Molokai Express. So, good little gift. Only 13 bucks 95 for three um, little bags of coffee. Find out what you like, and then when you go back next time, you can uh, order the, the gigantic big bags of the stuff. So, check that out at coffeesofhawaii.com. Got all the promo codes on imtalk.me, so make sure you get your discounts. And, uh, yeah, selection, variety is the spice of life, Evan. Yeah, it is a really good way of checking it out, isn't it? Because if you're not sure, if you've never tried Coffees of Hawaii and you're always like, uh, not sure, not sure. You can do something like this. It's a pretty cheap entry point. You can get a bit of a trial for it, and you know you get a bit of variety, and then you go, well, I might give this one a go, and then you fall in love with it, and then you're hooked for life. That's the goal, John. It is the goal. Hooked for life. So, uh, Coffee's of Hawaii. If you really want to go sophisticated as well, it looks really cool if you get one of their little cup and saucers as well with Coffee's of Hawaii logo. Yep. Then you'll be looking the business, sitting in your, in your office, drinking a bit of Coffees of Hawaii. There'll be envy everywhere. So uh, check it out, coffeesofhawaii.com. Okay, John, but you want to do a coach's corner? Coach. Oh, uh, no, I don't need to have a coach. Oh, right. Okay, this is... No, this. It's, it's, it's basically John's promotion. John's advertising <laughs> segment. 
<laughs> so what are you talking about? Uh, so first thing though, I am, I've got to get off my button. I'm going to do this hopefully today or tomorrow. We've got some auctions coming up. We're going to uh, do a little bit of fundraising for Challenge Athletes Foundation. Oh, when I was over in Kona, we had Pete Jacobs came along and did a fantastic little swim clinic with us uh, at the Epic Camp. And... He signed a bunch of ASICs gear. So I'm going to have some ASICs T-shirts and ASICs bags, and most of them are going to be restricted to U.S. customers because I've got them. Good old Rick. I can't remember what nickname I gave Rick um, Laird a few weeks ago. Boom, Boombox or something like that. Rick Boombox Laird has got the stuff over in his apartment in the States, and so I'll probably restrict it to, to U.S. guys. I have got one signed T-shirt here for, for maybe for Kiwis and Aussies. Basically, all the money will go to, to challenge athletes and get yourself some cool ASICs signed gear. There's some bags and T-shirts, but I'll put all that up on eBay, and I'll put a post on our Facebook page in the next day or two promoting that, and we'll probably still be live for next week as well. So just a good little chance to get some cool signed stuff from the current world champion and support the good cause at the same yeah, time. Yeah, cool. Good, good work. Um, and yeah, then obviously onto my promo section. And uh, so Tanya Pora Camp is going to be coming up in September. So if you're keen to check that out, it's going to be an amazing experience over at uh, Tanya Pora. I'm really looking forward to that. A camp that I've got just a couple of spaces left over for that um, we recently announced is our Ironman New Zealand training camp. We're doing the Alpine Triangle down in Christchurch. It's awesome riding. We go from Christchurch to Kaikoura, which is 180 k's, amazing scenery towards the end. We ride over to Hamner, about another 145, and then we have a ride through the Lewis Pass and then back to Christchurch. So it's a four-day camp perfectly timed for Ironman New Zealand I've got it in there as part of my build up it's uh, after Challenge Wanaka and the Auckland 70.3 and just timed perfectly for for Ironman so if you're keen on that uh, get in touch I've got a couple of spaces left open for Epic Camp Light in Kona which is obviously nearly a year away but it's pretty much getting close to being full already so if you're keen on that get in touch and then likewise with Epic Camp Canada next August have one or two spots uh, left open on that as well so that's John's Kona promo if you want to get on any of those camps pretty much all of them have only got a couple of spots left so get on it. Okay, questions and answers. Gavin Rogers has sent through one saying, just heard you guys on the last podcast talk about butter and margarine and thought this article would dispel the myth and show you how we've all been conned by marketing and facts. John, what's in the article? Basically saying margarine's chemical gunk and butter is the business. I think last week I said fat is your friend. I think the philinator came along to, to a, a session we were doing together and said, uh, loved you quote, fat is your friend, but don't be afraid of the fat. So I think the, the guts is um, basically saying margarine is uh, there's some pretty funky stuff in there and uh, try to keep it natural as much as you can. And I guess from my opinion is... Um, Oh, yeah, don't be too, don't be too super scared of fat. You obviously don't want to be going eating crap loads of saturated fat, but um, you know, looking at your your good fats and there's there's, a, there's heaps of information on the internet about um your good fats and your bad fats. So you guys can do some research on that. But uh, yeah, margarinas can can have some nasty stuff going on. Okay, fair enough. I don't have butter, but John, I don't have either. There you go. That's, that's an easy solution. I'm stuffed. <laughs> yeah. I need some fat in my life. I need some fat. Okay. Um, what else have we got here? We've got um, coming in from who's this one? Just for reference. The, the, now, okay. So I've obviously said someone's name wrong. Bevan, um, who is it? Have you, oh, have you got that email there? Yeah. 
It was from Wheelworks Bike Shop. I'm not. I can't remember who who, who actually sent it, but we, we had we struggled with the pronunciation of uh, an Irish girl who I think she won the UK 70.3, and she went and did an Ironman a few weeks ago as well. I think she finished second or third, and her, her name it looks like Emma Mullen. Emma Mullen. Okay, and did we say it right wrong? Did we? Yeah. Uh, I think I said Imar Mulan or something like that. Uh, she's an Irish girl, but it looks like it's Emur Mullen. Okay, fair enough. That's good. And then uh, we've got um, just a couple of other quick things, John. Just We've got a photo yes. for the website this week, and it's not the one you sent through. I'll put that one on next week. But um, Roger Lawton Spence sent through one of Alistair Mort Motion, and he was doing The Outlaw, and I think he had some IM, he had some IM Talk gear on, so we're going to put that photo nice. on the website. And then also Belle Fong, she's entered some some competition, and she said, I was wondering if you could push her friendship a little bit here. She's come to me on Facebook and said, um, I need to get my game on social networking and word out about some things she's entered. Basically, it's a, it's it's What's Up. Now, it's a woman's triathlon website. I think it's called Women in Triathlon. Yeah, I know that one. She, she's, we've seen that um, the girl who does that, she does lots of interviews with um, with some of the pro girls. I think the girl, the main girl who does the interviews used to... You cut out, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? He's, he's just appeared yeah. on me. Wait a second, you're you're yourself, um, Wait, say, say again, you disappeared. on there. So again, you disappeared. Yep. 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 Uh So I think it's actually Luke McKenzie's um, oh, okay. wife is part of it. She doesn't do. Uh, what's her name? Amanda. Is it Amanda Stevens? Um, yeah, I think it is. It's Amanda. So or Amanda, Amanda Balding, I think it is. Amanda she she Balding. got us into the party one year, didn't she? Yeah, I think it's Amanda Balding. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I think they're just trying to really lift the profile of some of the the, <clears throat> the girls in the sport. Obviously, we always hear so much about Crowey and Macca and, and those guys, and sometimes the girls, I guess I feel, get left to the side a bit. So they're doing a lot of profiling of um, the top girls. They're at quite a few of the events. I know they're at, at Melbourne, they're at Kona. Um, but, yeah, seems to be doing some good stuff. So, so fill us in on what they're Well, they're my good friend Mel, uh, Mel Fong, she's Belle Fong, sorry, she's... Um what she's done is she's entered, they've got this kind of cool scholarship thing and basically you get like $18,000 worth of prize, prizes and um, what happens is you represent, I'm not sure, uh, like you're an ambassador for the website and they they put it out there and I think they had like 45 entries and they've put it down to like five and um, each of the five entries who are going for the win have a little kind of a video on this I'll put, a, I'll put a link on www.iamtalk.me on um, the what's it's w-i-t-s-u-p.com um, and uh, yeah and she's got a, in the top five and basically I think you've got to go on and vote so if you want to go on and check out all these girls and give Belle a bit of a vote it'd be kind of cool for her and she could become the ambassador and it's, it's a pretty cool thing because it, there's heaps of cool prizes up to $18,000 in prizes so obviously they're doing a good job with that website well, that's the thing. If you if you know all the pros well, you know the pros will just be able to each hit up their sponsors for a bit of stuff. You know, the pros obviously want good coverage because it's good for their sponsors, and and uh, and then when you've got that 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 line through to the sponsors, um, yeah, I guess it's just all wicked product stuff. So good on them. Yeah, good on them. So so again, if you want to support Bell, go check that out. I'll put a link to that on dub dub dub. I'm talk. Okay, John, um, a sponsor. I love this. I got a, we got a little Facebook message here from Jacob uh, Thorsgaard and recently experienced the case for Athlinks. Triathlon, I think it's 
ASMIR, a sprint and Olympic distance try here in the Netherlands, stopped after its last edition in 2012. The website and the results are now gone. Luckily, I managed to save my races to Athlinks.com. Mm. Awesome service. And I totally know what he's saying there. I mean, I've got several um, races I've done in the past where the website is, is, is now gone. Um, so uh, it's one thing, you know, Athlinks is, is going to be there no matter what happens to the, the events, uh, the web's the athletes will stay there and your results will stay there. So, um, yeah, if it's, you know, if it's a one-off race or if it's a, a series that may gets, maybe gets gobbled up by WTC and the results might get um, removed or, yeah, whatever happens, you can have all your results in one place. And I love that about athletes. So, so get on there, uh, athletes.com. Um, if you haven't set up an account, it's bloody easy, it's free, and then you can just go through and claim all your results and make sure that you've essentially got a backup of results um, should something happen to your favourite event uh, and these days it is getting a lot harder to, to 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 put on events and so I'm sure over time we're going to see more and more events starting to dry up, there'll be new events um, there'll be bigger events but, but smaller ones may disappear so this is just a, a nice backup, it's always good to have a backup isn't it Bevan? You know, I, I do the two backup solution myself. I have one like, computer backup, and then I have an off-site backup, and then I have an internet backup. So I have three backups. Mm. You know, I'm not taking any risk of my data. Uh, but yeah. definitely, yeah, and I, I totally agree, because a lot of people put on races and then realize there's not much profit in it eventually, and so they mm-hmm. kind of fall away, and they're not going to pay for a website to sit there forever just to keep people's results up. So, you know, if you if you are racing, and it's just a quick kind of five-minute thing you do after the weekend, after your race, and, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely... It, you know, especially as your age as an athlete, you know, you might go move away from triathlon or, or sport for a period and you've always got that record there of what you're doing. So check it out, athlinks.com. Okay, John, what you got? Oh, just quickly, sponsors. Uh, athlinks.com. Yes, do it. Coffees of Hawaii. Get the flavours. Extreme endurance. Um, don't do drugs, do extreme endurance. <laughs> <laughs> and endurance junkie. And uh, get some cool fashion. Okay, Jombo, so what have you been up to, mate? What's your goss? Uh, I, I was hoping to get out for a bike ride this morning, but it's uh, currently freezing out there, and it was rained yesterday, so I don't really want to go and slip over on black ice. So Apparently it was torrential yesterday. Yeah, it was pretty pretty full on yesterday. I've got a new group of runners starting. We're doing this kind of um, hardcore race team over winter, but just because it's you know bad time of year, and so we we designed one that's extremely hard. Just you know, and we got we were surprised because I thought we'd only probably get fifteen people. We got forty people sign up for it, which is cool. But um, and yesterday morning was their first track session, and apparently it was just absolutely like muntering down. So mm-hmm. um, I thought that's a good start to what's meant to be a hard ten weeks. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. No, I'm just trucking along, Bevan. Uh, ticking along with my training, and I haven't got much to report, really. Just, just trucking along. Exciting, mate. No, no. Got how much happening this weekend? This weekend? Yeah. This weekend coming up. What is going on? Looking forward to going down to Tekapo in a couple of weeks. Going Ooh. down there. What are you doing down there? Just take the kids down there, have a bit of a going down there with some friends and uh, go for a little bit of a probably go for a little bit of a ski. Going to bike down there. Do you remember? Do you remember the time we biked to Tekapo? Yeah, yeah, we biked to Queenstown over two days, didn't we? Yeah, so I'm going to bike down there, 240, 250 k's. What um, time will you leave? Oh, well, I'll leave as at, at, at sunrise, basically. Probably leave at I don't know, uh, 7:30, 8 o'clock in the morning. So, you, and, and then the family leaves later in the day, do they? Yep. Going, well, I guess we'll get down there at probably four in the afternoon, something like that. So, should be good times. Uh, looking forward to a bit of bit of rugger coming up. 
semi-final time in the, yeah. in the Super 15. Been watching a bit of rugby lately, which has been quite cool. And... Damn, the Poms are good at everything, Bevan. That's what's frustrating me. It's really interesting with Pommy Sport, isn't it? Because Pommy Sport in the old days used to always be... They were kind of always a bit crap, really, considering how, you know, how, how big the country is in comparison to a lot of people they play against. They're always kind of underperformed. But in the last 10 years, or the last kind of 5 to 10 years, the Poms have stepped up a gear, haven't they, John? Oh, massively so. Yeah, Just well. crushing it every bloody wear. Yeah, man. Uh, did so you watch the cricket, did you? I didn't watch much of the cricket. Obviously, I, I do flick onto it each day and, and see what's going on. But the, the strategy at the moment is really tricky with sports news because, you know, you don't want to be seeing the Tour de France results before you've seen the, the highlights uh. package for the day. So you basically got to ignore the news until – and I don't get to watch the Tour de France until the evening time. So you've got to be very selective which websites you might go to. You can't listen to the news on the radio or anything like that. So uh, so it was a little challenging. So I generally just went to, like, crickinfo.com and just got my little cricket update there to see how the, the Ashes was going. But, yeah, I'm really Im- interested to know if it's just a, a long-term investment of money, which if that's the reason why um, the sport has done well, and that, uh, that's part of it, but the money has obviously created a culture of excellence, and then that's already flowed on. But it's um, oh, And also yeah. I think you have to say the competition's not as good. Like, you know, if we're looking just purely at cricket, the Australian cricket team for the last 20 years have been, you know, when they had Shane Warne and McGrath and they had, you know, like... <coughs> best players of all time in their team they were just so dominant and the Australian team's just not the team they were in the past right now so the Poms are doing great but also the competition is probably not as strong but yeah, if we look at our, our sports, our endurance sports, you know, triathlon—they're just crushing it every distance. There was a World Cup on last weekend, um, which is sort of a. a st- level of, of triathlon racing and some POM guy I've never heard of won that <clears throat> you look at two of the cream events is, uh, is a 5 and 10,000 metre they've got Mo Farah winning that sort of stuff um, cycling they've got Chris Froome they're doing well across the board at cycling uh, I'm, I'm not sure how they're doing it swimming but um, yeah just uh, really dominating the dojo so POMs very impressed well done POMs well done alright Bevan what's happening in your world well John Boy went to Australia that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. We took some runners over to the Gold Coast Half Marathon, which is great. But also, um, it was beautiful, John. It was. I have to admit, like if I lived on Surface Paradise, I'd be a surfer because it just. It was what? What is it now? July, and I was swimming. I was swimming in the sea, John, and it was. It was beautiful. Like it was not even cold. It was so nice, and the temperature was about twenty-three degrees. And like I love Christchurch, and and I do like the fact that we live in seasons. But I have to admit. Where you go to a place where in winter it's still 23 degrees and you can swim at the beach, it's kind of a little bit appealing. It's a nice holiday destination. Yeah, it really is. And so that was kind of cool. And then what else did we do over in Australia? Did a bit of shopping. Got myself a bit of a suit jacket, John. I'm looking pretty classy. That was kind of cool. $100. Nice. Well, it's $400. $100. That's a bargain, isn't it? It is. They're giving it away. Given, I was pretty happy with that. And then, um, what else has been happening now? I'm up in Auckland. I'm doing some aerobic stuff, which is really good. And then I'm home. But I'm kind of, it's a funny period for me because I've been away for a few weeks. And then I'm home for three weeks where I'm basically going to have to work my butt off like crazy. And then I'm off to the States for three weeks. So for a holiday. So um, I'm going to have a, a very intense period followed by a kind of a cool period in the States. Going to New York and I'm going to Vegas and I'm going to San Fran. So I'm looking forward to that. Do you know one thing I am going to do, which is going to be corner San Fran? What are you going to do? I'm going to be there for the America's Cup. It's got to be a 
yeah, very cool. Be cool to see that thing in action, but that competition's a bit of a joke. It really is, isn't it? Really like, is. It really is. Like, there's only basically two teams vying because the other team can't even get a boat on the water. Yeah. And then it's not even a competition either. Like we're so much better than that. It's, it's 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 pretty embarrassing. It's a lot of money goes into it too, doesn't it? Mm. A huge amount of money. So, but hey, if New Zealand win it, who cares? Exactly. <laughs> That's all we care about. We haven't won much to, lately, so... Getting get back to P-classes and optimists, that would be fantastic. <laughs> or optimists. <laughs> well, the thing is, the Poms aren't there, John, so we're guaranteed to win. Exactly. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up, Jombo. Back in the studios next week. There we go. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha. Right, guys, see you next week.